0: Welcome to another edition of Meet the Zor. I'm Nick Powells, publisher of 1851franchise.com, and I'm joined by Jonathan Ellis of Honest Lash. We're gonna dive into the whole background and story of Honest Lash, but I wanna set this up in a little bit of a different way, Jonathan, because I think your background leads into your viewpoint as a franchisor. So as much as you would like to share about your story, if I said, tell me your story, especially as it relates back to uh family franchising and scale tell me give me give me some of that background
1: absolutely well uh very lucky uh very pleased very honored very privileged uh to be born into a great situation of a mcdonald's uh franchise family so i am a third generation uh mcdonald's franchisee Uh, my grandfather rogers in 1969 opened his first restaurant in beaumont texas He was the fourth uh, McDonald's in the state of Texas. And uh, at the time, Texas was the last state that uh, Ray Kroc entered. Uh, For some reason, he went nationwide, but was hesitant to go into Texas. And so when he went into Texas, uh, my grandfather at the time was working for a company called National Cash Register, which is a large, you know, global company still around, still very relevant, still selling cash registers. But he was essentially a, a, a register salesman, uh, traveling state to state, um, developing accounts, developing uh, you know relationships across the system, across different uh, restaurant systems, and ultimately came across Mc, came across McDonald's. Uh, a great little story. He was volunteering for a Boy Scout event. I believe it was a parent uh, hosted event at the local McDonald's and one of his buddies happened to be a franchisee in Carbondale, Illinois. And so not only did he have the connection with that, but he also had the national cash register connection. So he started really uh, hitting up McDonald's as far as like, Hey, I'm interested. This is a great concept. And so at the time uh, you would just sign up for a waiting list. And when he got the call, you know, with six months, a year later, they said, you know, where would you like to go? And he was like, well, what's available, what's open? And they gave him uh, the choices, I believe, of somewhere in New Mexico, somewhere, uh, I believe in Louisiana, and then somewhere in Texas, uh, Abilene possibly. And then he chose Beaumont, which is right on the Gulf Coast, right on the Louisiana border, uh, about hundred miles east of Houston, right on Interstate 10. And uh, the only reason he chose that is because he was a lifelong, uh, you know, Person that lived in the snow belt. And so he wanted out of the snow. And Beaumont, Texas was far south and uh, close to Houston. He knew Houston was a big, you know, metro. And so he was very interested. Anyway, long story short, uh, yes, I am a lucky individual to not only be born into an entrepreneurial family, a restaurant family, a, fr- a franchise family, but also a franchise family that, uh, believes in work ethic, believes in paying it forward, believes in um, the possibilities of that what hard work and what a good uh, work ethic and what a good uh, positive mindset brings to the table and what a little bit of leadership goes a long way. And so between Papa, between Dad and uh, Mom and the family and everybody that's, you know, been involved in the business over the last 52 years, it's just been a blessing, because being raised in that uh, scenario where you know you're you're on the front counter, you know at ten, you're on the roof fixing air conditioners at twelve. You're you know running shifts by sixteen. you're uh, running your own restaurant by twenty. So it's just like there's there's certain uh, goals that you set early in life just by being exposed to not only the entrepreneurial, side of family business, but also just the operational components of, you know, the day-to-day checklist of life and being able to sit at that dinner table and listen to dad and papa and mom and uh, uncle Russ and, and all the cousins, you know, have the conversations about uh, just business and and cheeseburgers and, and just all the daily grind of, of running a drive-through. Uh, that brings us to here and now and just, you know, growing up in a franchise, family, a franchise business. Uh, I'm very attracted and have always been um, put in warm regard uh, franchising. So not only is it McDonald's, of course, McDonald's is McDonald's. I don't have to tell you what McDonald's is, but uh, I look at the arches more as a a family crest, as a family legacy, kind of like a, this is who we are. This is what we represent. This is what we believe. This is where we're going. Hey, let's go there. You want to be a part of it? And so that's kind of Long story short, McDonald's franchisee, long lifelong franchisee in multiple brands, and now first-time franchisor with Honest Lash. And very excited to be here with you, Nick. Thank you for having me, by the way. Uh, it's exciting, and it's humbling, and it's, and it's awesome to not only be able to tell your backstory, uh, be proud of it, but then also kind of bake in those ingredients of okay, that's who we are, that's where we came from, but this is where we're going. So thank you, Nick, I appreciate you
0: having me on. Yeah, this is great. Um, I wanna unpack some things, but but first, what's your earliest memory of being in a McDonald's and also understanding that this was your family's hard work behind it?
1: Yes, it's, it's earliest memory, I would say it's probably in a, a play place somewhere on a, on a merry-go-round, that was before the ball pits. Uh, Dad always had me test the ball pits before we opened just because construction, you know, things fell in the ball pit. Yeah, I remember doing stuff like that. I remember sweeping at an early age. Um, You know, the the funny thing about, uh, yes, you're having fun. You're playing on the playground. You're probably five or six. But dad is also having you pick up screws while you're in there. or or picking up, you know, zip ties that, you know, somebody dropped or something, you know, because that, you know, you don't want want kids getting hurt before you open. And so it's like, yeah, there is you're proud of the family business, but then you're also you don't realize you're learning all those small uh, how to run the day to day things and how to look at things just based on that upbringing. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, First earliest memory. Yeah. A lot of picking up French fries off the floor under stuff like that. So.
0: Truth or false, uh, you used McDonald's as a pickup line at some point? 100%.
1: Yeah. I mean, once I, yeah. Middle school years don't really remember, but definitely high school. (laughs) We were going on a date. At some point in the night, we were going to a McDonald's either for food or for dessert or, you know. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome.
0: So, okay. So at any point early on i i we're gonna get into the franchisor side but when you're 20 and you're operating a restaurant and you are you are fully baked into the franchising world as a part of your family is there any point where you think I'm gonna divert from my family and go do something different on my own and what kept pulling you back to franchising and family
1: Uh, Well, yes, there's that's that's a double sided question. So, you know, obviously I went to college, uh, graduated at 23. Uh, You know, when I say running restaurants, running shifts, I mean, I was that was very much a part of college and summers when I was saying I was officially back in the business, I would say mid 20s, committed, confirmed. Uh, There was an interim period after college where I moved to Austin for a bit and opened up a food truck on Sixth Street and uh was selling sausage on tortillas till 3 a.m three four nights a week so yeah i had i had some some i would call them beginner entrepreneurial uh fun project businesses that could have developed into other aspects early on that were very much family supported family um finance family funded uh I, I by no means like to pretend that i'm a self-starter uh yes i like to I, i'm very proud of who we are and legacy and, and 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 how I can apply that to now, but as far as uh, sorry stalled. What was the original question?
0: no it was it was like it, at at some point did you did you think about diverting from the from the franchise world?
1: well it, it was always restaurant mind it was always go back to uh McDonald's at some point I knew being the oldest of six and being third generation McDonald's that McDonald's was always in the cards it was always the prize it was always the goal and you know dad uh dad was awesome and I just you know watching him do his thing being a maverick for a lot of years being you know early on 80s 90s when they were just expanding at the rate that they were because like it's the story is not only mcdonald's three generations but the story is you know papa went from one then got broke you know went broke in the first two years of opening just because mcdonald's was not a national brand at the time in the early 70s and uh and um you know as far as like taking it from one to two, he, he went broke several times, had to get his old job back at NCR, had to go work with them for several years, had to uproot the family to Orlando to go take on that uh, territory for a while with NCR while he was still running McDonald's back in Texas. Uh, so there was a lot in the early years, there was a lot of, hey, we went from one to two, dad, uh, dad and Russ came in in the mid seventies and took it from two to six. And then in the 80s and 90s, they went from six to 20 to expanding beyond Beaumont, then buying the uh, Corpus market in the early 80s, expanding that market up to 20. Uh, and then in the late 90s, uh, purchasing the Rio Grande market, uh, which was another 25 to 30 locations. So they they not only took that family uh But then also scaled it and just had that ride of like wow we're opening here and now we're going here and now we're jumping to this new area and now we're doing this and i'm just sitting there with what you know big wow look at this rock star like this is awesome mcdonald's is awesome like i'm just uh always and even now like driving by mcdonald's like you're just like in awe of just the manpower the vision the scale uh and then connecting all those dots with 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 dad and papa and their story, and then being able to come into that and then say, Okay, that's the prize, that's what you've always wanted. Uh, dad was also like, Hey, don't come back till you're 30 and you've gotten your 20s out of your system and you found a wife and you're ready to start a family, and you're uh, you know, and you've gotten your you're ready to put some roots down because he knew, you know, this was a big thing, and don't come back until you're ready. And so I ended up going, you know, after college, going and running uh meatheads which was the the sausage stand for a few years and then i worked at Freebirds, which is a burrito operation in texas i worked there for about a year and then shortly after that was the economic uh, recession of 0809 and so i just realized why am i fighting for these jobs in austin uh competing with people all over the country for very minimal jobs in austin which at the time austin was you know a cool city growing uh and so i was like you know what 23, 24, 25. I think it was 25 when we moved. When I moved back, Sarah and I got married. We started a family, and that's when I really started committing to the McDonald's system. And uh, it didn't matter that uh, I grew up in the system and and, and was able to do it and, and had a little bit of restaurant experience outside of the family business. Dad was like, "Nope, you're starting on fries. You're like," because I came back from Austin thinking, "Okay, where's my restaurant? Who's which one am I going to run?" And he's like you're not running anything like this it's day one go go get in the back go get in the grill like go go learn everything again because it's been a few years everything's different because uh, that's the thing about mcdonald's if you it's always growing it's always evolving it's always changing so uh yeah I, there was a bit outside but yeah mcdonald's was always the mindset it was always the goal it was always the prize and working uh you know from fries to grill to front counter to you know shift manager to assistant manager to GM to, you know, th- th- yes. Was there some nepotism involved? Of course. Can I, can I deny that? No. But also being aware of that and knowing that every all eyes are on me and they're waiting for this guy, the family, you know, the third gen kid to just screw it all up and, yeah. and ride, ride the coattails with no work ethic. I, I took it upon myself and yes, I know that's like, but I, I looked at it as, Hey, These guys all think i'm this way anyway so why not prove them wrong and so you kind of as much as it's a blessing it's also like it kind of it's a chip on your shoulder to a certain degree it's like okay well i'm not going to be the spoiled uh kid i'm going to be the guy that works his tail off and proves to you that every promotion every step of the way was all earned and not just given and that's that's a hard challenge in family business so Family business is fun. It's challenging. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of relationship. There's a lot of baggage, a lot of history. Uh, there's multiple generations. multi, it's, it's everything that family is plus adding profit to it. So it's just you throw all that together and it kind of um, it, it, it binds you. But then it also makes you strong and it allows you to build a callus to kind of take on. Uh, you know, when you're running a drive through 12 hours a day, there's not a whole lot of things that can that can break your spirit as it, as it be. So I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm a little long-winded, Nick,
0: but that's mm-hmm.
1: long story short. Yeah, I ran a sausage stand for a couple of years out of college. And then I, I basically came back to McDonald's ever since.
0: Well, there's there's things that I wanna break out of this. Cause I think it's important as we shift over to a Slash is two, two things I'm hearing very clearly. That's family and work ethic. Yes. And so two of those elements I always will relate to franchising no matter who comes into your life from this point on the family side every franchisee that I've ever spoken with or our team has spoken with and we say talk about your purpose it it's family or family adjacent it's like I want to build legacy I want to build wealth I want to build something for my kids I want to build something to have more more time with my children and it always starts there so you were born into a world where your grandfather and your dad were were already committed to this. And you're like, okay, I can, I can see, see a pathway. The other, other thing that I hear here is work ethic, not just the chip on the shoulder, which, which I think anybody that has success has to have a little bit of a chip because those that don't have success also carry jealousy sometimes, but it's hard to be jealous of someone that's willing to outwork everybody else. Or you know you can't you can't judge them in that same light, and so you talk about I got back in into the McDonald's world, and my dad didn't say, Here's the keys. He no. said, Go learn how to do fries again. Yes, I think that's such a critical element because so many people buy into franchises now you've seen various types of franchises, but they buy into franchising thinking, all right, I paid my franchise fee. I spend the money to get this open and now magically I flip on the light and I make money and they don't, they have to hustle now. And I think that's where like those two aspects of your story um, are deeply valuable and obviously like the McDonald's thing is something that everybody can relate to because I think that's your first awareness of what franchising is as a human purely because of the volume and size of McDonald's. But all those lessons learned and probably the same lessons you learned Going through the next brands that you bought into, and when you're evaluating other concepts and looking at like, is this leadership team really going to have my back when shit hits the fan? And so you're you're now you've formulated this opinion that now as a franchisor, I want to I want to hear how, how you're relating that back to to what you're doing now. So obviously, first and, any comments on that, and then second, go into telling us what Honest Lash is.
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I mean, franchisee, franchisor—it's two sides of the f- same coin. It's very much a relationship. It's very much a marriage. It's very much a binding con—it's a contract, of course—but it's also—it's at the end of the day, it's a relationship, and that's—that's that's what Dad always told me was like, "You're, this is a serious decision. This is on the same page of, you know, uh, buying a house. This is on the same page of getting married. This is on the same page of having a child. This is on the same, you know." <laughs> opening and running your own business is very on par and franchising is essentially a, I don't want to call it a shortcut, but what I want to call it maybe like a, uh, an extension of like, Hey, you help me and I'll help you. And it's very much, we lean on each other on the good times, the bad times, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. And that's why it's, that's why it's very much a marriage and a relationship is because it's not always going to be great. And it's not always going to be, uh, you know, fun and uh, it's not always going to be, uh, you know, hard. The, the The hardest part is the first two years, first 18 months, that path to profitability where you're just grinding it out and head down, head down, making decisions. Oh, my gosh, what, what that's colossal. It'll, we'll never get past this. OK, let's get past it. Wow, that was awesome. Now we're past this. We're ready for the next thing. So that's a never ending cycle. And so understanding that that you're entering into this partnership uh that's just how dad always said it. And it was, it's very much not only family business, but franchising has those family business elements. And so, you know, he always mentioned uh, his lifelong uh, franchisor partner at, uh, in the Houston region. Uh, his name was Larry Zimmerman. And uh, apparently he had opportunities for promotions galore up in Oakbrook in Chicago, but he passed on them for many years because he just loved Texas. He loved his franchisees in Texas. He loved the scale and growth that Texas was doing with, with, uh, you know, the growth over his 30 years there. And, and dad built a long relationship with them. And, uh, and, you know, and it was very much give and take and it was very much, uh, you know, Hey, I will partner with on this. Hey, let's go to Coca-Cola on that. Hey, if you throw in a few dollars on this, we'll throw in some dollars on that. We'll throw some labor behind it. You throw some marketing behind it. It's all like, that's all it is. It's just very much it's 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 a logo. Yes, it's a playbook. Yes, but it's mostly support. And so seeing that in the McDonald's system growing up in that system, of course, they're not only the originals, but they set the bar in a lot of ways and a lot of capacities on a lot of fronts in franchising. So it's just when you go outside of the McDonald's world and start comparing, we learned five, six years ago when we started looking at other brands uh, beyond the McDonald's uh, scope, we're like, we learned very quickly we couldn't just compare everybody to McDonald's. And I know that's biased, but like there's a reason they're the biggest and the best. And granted, they're, they're you know, they come and go and they have their ebbs and flows, but they're still McDonald's and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And so. Uh, comparing that to other brands, you know, dad went out on his own for a bit and, and, entr- and entered into um, power sports. He got into Kawasaki, Suzuki, um, American Iron Horse and uh, Yamaha. He did that for about 10 years and then economic recession of 08 09, first thing that people stop buying when pocketbooks are tight are jet skis and four-wheelers and you know, and then the other thing that happens real quickly is the loans dry up, you know, those $5,000 loans dry up for, for toys. So we kind of learned that. And I got to watch dad do that while I was still young and in and college. And, what, and I kind of thought about doing that for a minute because McDonald's, you know, McDonald's is hard. It's not easy. You're on your feet all day. You're dealing with a thousand customers a day. You're making a thousand different cheeseburgers a day. And so watching that, watching him go through that full cycle of buying it, growing it, and then watching it shrink and then ultimately selling it because of a recession. So that was a that was a full scale getting to watch from the front row experience. And then fast forward a decade, I'm kind of ready to kind of jump out on my own beyond McDonald's because dad was starting to think about exiting. And uh, so I I found, uh, it took me about a year and I looked at a number of brands, but I I came across a deal in DFW uh, and it was a Sylvan Learning uh, Center tutoring deal. There was eight locations for sale in DFW and uh, looked at it. It felt good. It felt comparable. It felt like it was operations. It felt like it was education. It was family friendly. It was uh, very good, good PLs, and ls good um, leadership, good ownership. Um, it all it checked a lot of boxes as far as, okay, if I'm going to step outside of McDonald's, this one feels right. And then uh, that was 2017, early 2018. Um, you know, personally uh, left McDonald's, uh, moved to Fort Worth, uh, family and all. And we decided to go uh, all in on Sylvan, just just myself, and and you know with a little help from family, but mostly, you know, putting all my all of my personal eggs into that basket, and uh, you know, rocking along eighteen months, two years, uh, decided uh, six months later the Austin market became for sale, and so being excited, young, motivated, seeing things moving in the right direction, saw Austin, got excited, got a little too um, two in front of myself, I guess, and decided to go, go get it. And sometimes you do that and granted, yes. Do I regret it? No. Do I wish I wouldn't have doubled down the first year? Yes. Um, but you know what, if I wouldn't have bought Austin, we wouldn't be here talking about, you know, on a slash. So fast forward to 2020, um, you know, we were Sylvan learning, even though it was an education business and kids needed education, we were not considered an essential business. And so our business was shuttered for several months and then beyond that uh, when we opened back up the demand wasn't there and so i guess long story short experiencing you know mcdonald's even in the down cycles of the economy and in the worst of times mcdonald's still was somewhat recession uh proof because everybody most everybody can afford dollar cheeseburgers like that's just Everybody shrinks their pocketbook and they're still coming to us. So we were somewhat experiencing uh, peaks at a lot of times when when most of the economy was experiencing lulls. And so we didn't learn the down cycles uh, of business so much as to when we experienced it in other business worlds, such as power sports and and jet skis and motorcycles or uh, tutoring and Sylvan and and then even um, You know, another business I I haven't mentioned yet we bought into was a another franchise model based out of Florida called Signorama, And it was just a sign business that we bought one location in Fort Worth. And it was really the acquisition of the business was because uh, I wanted a sign business because I knew we had a lot of locations and there's a lot of print materials and there's a lot of promotional materials and just coming from McDonald's where we swap out our POP monthly. I'm thinking of the mindset, okay, I want to be able to print on demand and scale it quickly and always have fresh, you know, content. This is pre-digital, of course. But uh, anyway, long story short, I've experienced a little bit of a lot of franchises, most of it being McDonald's. So they're the base of comparison. But then when you bring in these other models, you can cherry pick the best of from other leadership, from other industries, from other adjacent uh, businesses. And so, Anyway, the tail end of your question, Honest slash is essentially a COVID pivot. I mean, we were 1000% born because of 2020. Mm. And so I don't like to say that uh, Honest slash we were born out of uh, tenacity, out of being painted into a corner, out of not knowing where we were going, or what? I mean, we think three years ago. I know it's 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 easy to forget some of those early days in the pandemic. But you know, I can still remember March 11th when Trump came on and said no travel to Europe because that was spring break. My kids and I were in Austin on the water, enjoying our you know spring break with the kids, and uh, that came on. I'm like, huh, you know, scratching your head, what's that about? Very late to the table on any of the national news. Being in Texas. And the next thing you know, three days later, we're on a national call with Sylvan leadership talking about this is what they've been dealing with up in Seattle for the last 30 days with shutdowns. And this is what we're seeing going across the country. And I'm just like, wait, what? You know, just like I've never in my mind thought yeah. the world's going to shut down like that just does not cross your mind when you're making business decisions that they're just going to stop. And so uh, on a slash is very much a business that was born because of the pandemic. And when I say that, it's because Sylvan was only two years into my ownership of the business, meaning, yes, it was profitable. It was lucrative. It was doing its thing. We were bringing on our team. We were growing it. We were adding locations. We we opened up a location in Bastrop, Texas, literally, uh, the last day of 2019 because I had a 2020 deadline to get it open with corporate. And so, uh, Regardless of that, we're we're at 15 locations when when the shutdown begins, and I take the PPP, I shutter operations. We uh, we do uh, somewhat of scaled. Uh, 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 we had to, you know I had I had 300 employees, most of them being part time. Most of them, luckily, were full, were full time teachers at a local ISD. So as far as my uh, labor force. A lot of this. This was part-time work for them, so I was able to take care of my salaried employees, my directors, my leadership, everybody at the top. But most of our part-time, we had to shutter during the duration of the, the pandemic. So fast forward six months, back to schools happening. Um, we in hand in hand with Sylvan are are building virtual programs. We're building all types of very uh, unique. Yes, we're offering our services to the customer, but I don't think there was a single franchisee in the system that felt confident about what we were doing or how we were delivering it or the level of what we were delivering it. And then just when our whole business model is based on delivering academic excellence, it's real, you know, the, the, the rug was pulled out from under us. And so now we're delivering it virtually like we are. We're all used to it now, but three, four years ago, this was all brand new in the education space. And so... Uh, Regardless of that, October, November rolls around, no back to school demand comes with Sylvan. That's usually when report cards come out. That's usually when we hit our first uh pop of business uh in the in the fall season. And when that didn't happen, and then uh fast forward a few months, the election, everything, it's just we're like, wow, this it's looking like it's gonna be like this for a long time. And so uh ultimately the week of the election, I called corporate and said, Hey guys, I need out um you know, I'm I'm drowning. Uh, I've, I've run out of PPP. I still have this bank loan that I'm only two years into. I've, I've bought two markets. Yes, uh, we're paying some bills, but it, it's bringing down it's it's bringing down the ship. And and I got to make some decisions quickly. And so, uh, luckily, worked with corporate and was able to uh, facilitate a deal to where we sold 12 of the 15 Sylvans back to uh, corporate and remaining and uh, neighboring franchisees. And with the three in Austin austin area that uh didn't sell um we converted to last studios and you say why did i convert them to last studios we needed to be out of sylvan i needed to exit out of that system i also needed to be in control of our local uh decisions because one of the downsides of franchising is when something like that happens if they're making decisions on a national scale it's very hard to get in the weeds on the local level, regardless of how big your market is. And so I realized going into that decision, okay, I wasn't quite at the point of, we're gonna go franchise last studios. I was at the point of how do I keep these three studios from just being dead rent? Cause I'm only a year into five-year leases. So how do I not owe hundreds of thousands of dollars on these leases? What business can I plug into these three spaces in Austin, which are Bastrop, Texas, Dripping Springs, Texas, and Georgetown, Texas. Those were the three Sylvans that I had to close down because they just weren't doing that well pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, they were just not doing anything at all. And so, anyway, long story short, Honest Lash is a pandemic-born business. It was built out of, we, we have nowhere else to go. I looked at this Lash business as I can pull all of my desks and chairs and learning equipment out and I can install uh uh lash chairs and lash equipment and it's very much a a low investment cost to swap out uh furnitures fixtures and equipment and then i also had i knew a couple of people in austin that were cosmetologists and estheticians and i just realized hey let's let's go like let's go open a lash business and uh, anyway, let me pause there because I'm just, I know I'm talking forever. No, it's,
0: it's, it's good. I like, I like unpacking the story. Yeah. Now, and I, I want to get to wrap up. We're going to have to do a part two on this, but I want to get to a wrap up question, but I want to I frame this up because I think this is essential. One, you're showing what happens when you hit a bottom and you have to pivot. And I think that insight as a franchisor is deeply valuable back to a franchise buyer because they want to know like how much flexibility are you willing to do? There are, there are franchisors that, that stick it out and say, this is the way we've always done it. Therefore we don't, we don't shift. I call those brands, the blockbuster brands, they get Netflixed, and you don't want to be blockbustered. And you said, okay, I have a, I have to still feed my family, which it still comes back to that and work ethic. And he said, let's create a new business now what i also love about this is you created a pandemic born and what that means for a wellness business built in the bottom hopefully the the worst thing that we see in our lifetimes uh but it was a rough time and it's it was a solution and it was built for scale and it solves some of the business challenges that you're going through so I would imagine that relates back to what franchisees should expect about being your partner in, in this type of business. So on, on part one of this, because I think we should continue the conversation and dive into um, challenges faced uh, as a franchisee. That also relates back. But to to define this part, tell me the why you why now? Why should anyone care about a, a buying an honest lash and why should they care about it now?
1: Nick, I love that question because uh, I'm very much a fan of Simon Sinek and start with why and, you know, being an older millennial and, and growing up in that generation of having to connect with the brand and why we're doing stuff. So I, I, we're very clearly a family business and I don't care uh, the what, it's clearly the why. And so the why is, OK, dad taught me how to do it. I now have three children of my own. I now am in the the driver's seat somewhat of the Ellis business. Where are we going this? And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm benefiting from dad and Papa and granddad and all, and all the decisions it's it's up to me now to now pass it forward and pay it forward. And it's the benefits and, and the luxuries of life that McDonald's and I don't mean just money, profit, like financial wealth. I mean, what McDonald's has baked into our life and and our livelihood and how we do things and how we view things and and how we accept challenges head on. uh, That's what I want to pay for. And so, and franchising very much is it encapsulates that to it's, it's a family, it's a franchise, it's systems, it's operations, it's all the things. But then how can I make sure that Emma, Jack and Julia, are doing the exact same thing. I want them running front counter somewhere. I want Jack on the roof, fixing HVAC somewhere. I want them learning the roots of what it takes to run a family business and not only be successful at it for, yeah, that success comes later. It's, it's the constant coming back for more that I want to pay for. And so why you, why now it's, it's for them. It's, it's, Yes. Was, were we painted into a corner and did we have to make some hard decisions during some hard times? Yes. Do I want to go back to that time? No. Am I am I still working through some of that? Yeah. Am I still going to be paying bad debt for a minute? Of course. Yeah. I still have bad debt on my books from Sylvan. But uh, what we're doing now is we're accepting that challenge and, and saying, OK, when we were faced with adversity, did we fold? Did we did we? cower did we not did we take it or did we face it and say you know what i don't like all of this that's going on i don't i can't control all of this but what i can do is control this and in this circle in this world whether it's on a slash whether it's mcdonald's or whether it's the, the ellis family dinner we're going to do it a certain way and so why you why now it, it's it's for them it's 100 for them and it's not for I want to give them a business that they can run when they grow up. It's not that it's because I want to introduce them to the things that dad and pop introduced me to so that when situations like the pandemic happen, they know exactly what to do. And when, when, one when one of my children come to me in 30 years, when the next crisis happens and they're saying, I want to go do this, I'm going to say, you know what, go for it. Because I went to dad during a pandemic and said, I wanted to open an eyelash studio. So there's nothing, there's nothing in the entrepreneurial family franchise world that, that scares us. And so that, that's kind of, that's who we are. That's where we come from and that's where we're going. So. It's well,
0: all yeah. And I, I want to just close with this statement. And then again, I think there's, there's going to be a part two of our conversation, but what you're hearing is again, it goes back to family work ethic and loyalty. And if you're a franchisee that's watching this, a prospective franchisee that's watching this, that's what you're buying into with Honest Lash. It doesn't like the widget ends up being irrelevant. Like you have to make sure the widget is something that has demand, just like McDonald's yes. needed to have a dollar burger. The widget's irrelevant. It's the process and the history that you're buying into. And Jonathan, I appreciate this part of the discussion. Let's let's continue this uh, on a on a part two. But for Jonathan, I'm Nick. Thanks for watching, and we'll continue. This episode of Meet the Zor. See everybody. everybody. Thank you, Nick.